Do you like games? Cool. Do you like fantasy football? Well, you're here. Do you like games about fantasy football? Sweet. I have the perfect podcast for you. Dynasty Game Night, hosted by yours truly, Russ Fisher, Matt Price, John Bosch, and Rocky Petrella. We play games about fantasy football. You might learn a little something, but really, we're just here to have fun. So if you like playing a game about a game about a game, then check out Dynasty Game Night, a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. That's Ryan McDowell. And over there is Matt Price. Fellas, I said last week on the podcast, or I must have, that I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan. And one of our listeners reached out to me and uh, I haven't mentioned this to either one of you, and he said, oh, I'm a Bucks fan too. So shout out to Matt in Wisconsin, who is a listener. He, uh, not our Matt Price, but another Matt. Uh, he said, yeah, that's that's so awesome, uh, a Bucks fan in South Dakota. And we got to talking, and he said, he said, you think you're the Giannis of the show? And I said, no. I, th- <laughs> I think maybe McDowell, he's probably the Giannis of the show. He's the star oh, power man. that we bring on. That's and really I, sad. I said, uh, I said, Price, Matt, you're probably the the Chris Middleton of the show, the the mm. uh, underestimated star that comes up clutch when needed. And I think I'm probably Drew Holiday, the the facilitator, the guy who sets everything up for you guys to knock them <laughs> down. So, what do you think about that? I know you're both uh, semi NBA fans, so you know the box a little bit. How do you feel about your roles on the show? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm uh, I don't know if I'm the Giannis. I, don't, I, I, I know I can't throw down like he did, but uh, yeah, I'll I'll take the compliment, I guess. Matt, you're pretty good at blocking all of my. Oh, okay. So maybe you are the Giannis. <laughs> well, you know, if you if you dig deep into the last eight or nine years of Bucks history, Giannis and Middleton began eight years ago when Giannis was drafted and Middleton came over in a trade battling each other for uh, playing time and, and banging against each other in practice. So maybe that's what you guys are doing now. I'm not necessarily a newcomer like Drew, but I like to think of myself as uh, as the guy that sets it up for you all. But But for you non-NBA fans, I digress. Let's get into what we need to talk about this week. And fellas, we are, it feels like minutes away, kind of snuck up on us, right? From the preseason kicking off, the Hall of Fame game, right around the corner. All the, all, all, uh, every single team has kicked off their training camp. These guys are, are already on the field. Some of them already in pads, ready to, ready to throw down, ready to get ready for this season. And, uh, we need to as dynasty owners as well. So we thought it'd be appropriate to, to talk about some camp questions. Some of these battles that are happening in these training camps across the 32 teams, in the league. So we're going to decide 
really, Ryan, what we're watching throughout the NFL right now. All the news blurbs are are popping up throughout the league, and, and we're watching them intently. We're trying to trying to digest everything and decide how that affects our dynasty rosters. What what do you what do you think about where we are right now? What are you doing as a dynasty manager at this point in the season as these blurbs are popping up on your phone and your tablet? What what are you thinking about as a dynasty manager? Well, it's tough because there's just so many of them, right? There I mean it's it's constant the the coverage that we get of of training camp whether it be from you know big media, the NFL network with their their daily training camp show or if it's uh, just your your favorite uh, Twitter account to rely on for for those types of analysis. Whatever it is, it's it's coming at you, you know, fast and furious over uh, the past few days, and that'll continue over the next couple of weeks. So there's so much. I, I've honestly, I think the conversation that we're going to have today, the conversation that we'll have next week, uh, are really going to be important because you can try to narrow it down, and and rather than taking in everything from every team focus on those those specific situations that might be still up in the air a little bit that's good advice for sure matt is there something that you're watching specifically as a dynasty manager that gives you an edge over the others in the league uh i mean i don't know if it, how much of an edge it gives me but the things i'm paying attention to are more of the the like the notes about like um you know X receiver is getting snaps over this other receiver that we, uh, you know, we expected to be in front of him, something like that. Like maybe Jalen Hurd is surprising in camp and is now locked in as the wide receiver three, something like that. The news like that from a beat reporter rather than the beat reporter reports that are saying things like, you know, uh, Naheem Hines is going to catch 75 balls this year out of the backfield. Now that we don't have a quarterback, you know, stuff like that, like predictions, projections, things like that, I think are all kind of noise. And the things that we really need to be paying attention to are the, the actual actually like what's happening on the field between players uh, and those dynamics uh, rather than the, the, the strict numbers and projections. Cause I just don't think the beat reporters and stuff like that are necessarily like projection and, and, and minded and are thinking of that necessarily in that direction uh, as, as much as we are about doing full projections for teams and stuff like that. So uh, pay attention to like the battles, which we're going to talk about today uh, a little bit uh, and, and kind of let the other noise fall to the background. Yeah, that's good advice. I'm the, I'm the same way. I, I like to, I, I really don't like it when you read a blurb and you say this beat reporter was asked about and said this. I, I like it a lot more yeah. when a beat reporter is at practice and said this based on what he saw. We're not all privy to that Im- information. So over time you can digest everything and, and try to understand who, which, which beat reporters to trust, which ones, uh, give you good inf- information, but overall, it feels like there's way too many of those predictions, like you were talking about, Matt, and then also those that were asked in an interview on SiriusXM or or any podcast out there and said this. Those ones I try to send to the wayside and, and move on uh, instead of taking them as scripture. So the the main thing that we're going to talk about here is the camp questions that we're considering. Throughout this preseason, throughout the the training camps that we're watching right now, what are we watching as camp and, and the preseason progress? What what things that dynasty managers should be considering when building a roster or making those last minute trades when setting our lineups? 
This week, we're going to talk about all those AFC teams. Next week, we'll dive into the NFC, and we might as well kick things off right away at the top with the Baltimore Ravens. So, Matt, the question with the Ravens that matters the most to you, what do you think that might be? For, I think it's, is there a viable fantasy option behind who we presume to be the number one receiving game option, and that's Mark Andrews. So, you know, Marquise Brown has obviously been the guy uh, the last couple of seasons. We have Rashad Bateman now in town. Uh, Sammy Watkins is kind of getting some some buzz in camp, if we're still willing to be- believe that direction. Uh, and then we have these other guys behind him, like Tylen Wallace and Miles Boykin. You know, do any of these guys matter outside of Mark Andrews is what we really need to, to figure out. And I kind of want to go back to Marquise Brown. I feel like he's fallen quite a bit uh, this offseason, all the way down to wide receiver 54, I believe, in uh, in, in July ADP, so that, that to me is a little bit too far for a guy that was was drawing you know near thirty percent target share uh, over the final seven or eight games, I believe. Um, and obviously, that's not going to happen now that we have another legitimate target with Rashad Bateman there. But he is the incumbent; he is the one that knows the offense; he is the one that already has the rapport uh, with Lamar Jackson. And, and now that Lamar Jackson is you know missing some time time uh, off the field for some maybe some poor choices, uh, then you know, he's not going to have as much of a time to, to form that kind of bond, I don't think, with Rashad Bateman. So while I like Bateman quite a bit, I think it's between these two. And just based on price right now with Marquise Brown all the way down at wide receiver 54, I think you could probably get him for a second-round pick in most cases. Um, I just think the price is right for a guy like that for me to target as the number two behind Mark Andrews. Yeah, I completely agree with that. If there is a number two behind Andrews, it's definitely Marquise Brown. The thing that I wonder, Ryan, is is does it matter? It, it, does it really matter that this, this team is the, the 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 franchise that runs the ball the most in the NFL? They and I know those numbers are are kind of skewed because of Lamar Jackson dropping back and and scrambling and making those runs. But I, I I'm just I'm, and and I'm a Hollywood Brown supporter. I'm a guy that has him on almost all of my teams. And Ryan, you and all you and I own teams together. We have him on all of them. Uh, I'm just wondering if it, if this is the year, is it going to matter? Is is Lamar the guy that can deliver the ball downfield? Um, should we just be investing in the running backs, Andrews, and then only if we can get a discount on the other guys? Well, I think the discount is there, as Matt said, sure. on, on Brown specifically. So I'm fine uh, buying him, uh, drafting him at his, at his current price or trading for him. I like that idea. Uh, our buddy Adam Harstead, I've seen him drop this stat a couple of times that uh, Hollywood has the, I believe he's tied with, I think it's Christian McCaffrey, uh, for the longest active streak of scoring at least 12 and a half fantasy points. And Hollywood did that in the last six games of last season. So um, he he ended on a little bit of a hot streak. But, I mean, to your question, Dan, I, I'm not sure it does matter. Um, obviously added more competition in the form of Bateman. If if I'm Baltimore's coaching staff, I wouldn't change anything. It's been very effective. Lamar can still run it. You've got two uh, good, talented running backs who can uh, can handle that workload. I I don't know why you would change very much at this point. So uh, I I do like buying Hollywood at his price right now. Uh, I'd probably wait to buy Rashad Bateman uh, until we see how this season goes and. 
but I think the expectations have to be similar to what we've seen the past couple of years. The only thing that I would add to that, Ryan, I, I agree completely with what you said there, was maybe a little bit more of the vertical game. We, we have to have Lamar delivering the ball deep down the field. And I, I know the accuracy is not great and all the, all the statistics that you read and, and all those tweets that you see on Twitter point to that, 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 that Lamar is not the most accurate passer down the field. But they have to, with that power running game and the play action that they can have off of that, they, they have to deliver the ball down the field and at least pose the threat of a deep passing game. Marquise Brown is the guy that can deliver that, can be that target down the field. So he can be that next big thing, the, the guy that's the, the, the big playmaker that can, that can win you a fantasy week. The only problem is we, we don't have enough faith in Lamar to get him the ball consistently down the field. So uh, I, th- I think there's a little bit of a gray area when it, become, when it comes to that camp question in Baltimore, and it, it really pivots all around Lamar Jackson and how accurate he can be down the field. Let's jump over to the Buffalo Bills. I think the most common question when it comes to Buffalo is, Ryan, who's the wide receiver two? In Buffalo, and really doesn't matter because Stephon Diggs is clearly the guy. He's going to catch a hundred plus passes. He's going to see all those targets in Buffalo. But somebody else has to be part of that offense in the passing game. Who's that guy, and, and does it matter? I do think it matters because this is one of the teams that's going to throw the ball more than any other in the league. We know Josh Allen is going to spread it around. So, so I do think it matters. Uh, I think figuring out who it is. Uh, is is a little tougher. Of course, they bring back Cole Beasley. Gabriel Davis had that uh, pretty impressive and, and somewhat surprising rookie year. But then they also add uh, Manny Sanders, who um, who is, is already impressing in camp. I think a lot of dynasty players had kind of written him off due to his age, due to uh, uh, kind of a poor stop uh, his past couple of teams. But uh, I, I, I forget. I apologize. I can't remember who had this on Twitter the other day, but uh, the quarterbacks who have thrown uh, thrown passes to Manny Sanders, there was a list. And outside of Drew Brees, that list was pretty ugly of his last uh, eight or ten quarterbacks. Uh, so, you know, moving now to Josh Allen, probably probably the best quarterback that Sanders has played with, uh, at least in quite some time. Uh, I kind of think Sanders might be the guy to own in the short term. And, and he's definitely the cheapest. Yeah, I really like that. And the best part about it is he, like you said, is so cheap. You can get him for almost nothing. In fact, in, in some shallow dynasty leagues, he might be on the waiver wire, right? Because uh, he did so little down there in New Orleans, especially late in the season. Matt, what are your thoughts when it comes to Buffalo? Is there is there a guy that you you are really trying to grab? Not, not really. I mean, this is a team that runs the second most uh, four wide receiver sets in the league, I believe, behind Arizona. So, you know, it, it, 
it, it, like Ryan said, it matters because they're going to throw the ball a lot. But I think week to week, it's going to be a different guy. Uh, Sanders would be my choice as well, mostly because of the price and we, what we know he can do when he is healthy on the field. You know, you have that a little bit in the back of your mind of wide receivers changing team, and you know, does he does he cross that elite wide receiver threshold who we've seen in recent years that have been able to transition to a new team and be productive in year one, like teammate Stephon Diggs, uh, for example. So is he at that point? I don't know. Uh, but Gabe, Dave Davis is still interesting. I do think he's being a little bit overdrafted now. Like the hype has kind of gotten a little bit too much on him. And then, you know, Beasley, is he even going to be able to play this season? Uh, we don't, we don't, we, we don't really know yet if he's going to make the decision to, to, to be able to play this season. So, and if he does, then, you know, he's going to, uh, you know, gab, g- gather up a ton of those slot targets, uh, as per usual. So, uh, I just think the week to week behind digs, it's going to be a guessing game, but if I had to take a dart, I would, I'd agree at Sanders. Yeah, I completely agree there. Uh, we should jump over to the Cincinnati Bengals next, Matt, because, you know, man, this is this is a fun team. It should be a fun team. The Bengals should be a really fun team, really, because they, they have the young quarterback. They have the dynamic running back who has proven he can be a big-time player. And T. Higgins comes in last year and makes a big splash. And now they have Jamar Chase. So along with Higgins and Chase – there's there's a little bit of an unforgotten or a forgotten guy, and that's Tyler Boyd. He's he's been productive. He has stuck with it. He has been a guy that we can stick into our fantasy lineups for a couple of years now, and he's a bit forgotten, as I said. So is there is there if there's a question in Cincinnati, it might be if Tyler Boyd can be a guy we can count on with Higgins and Chase already until yeah I, I think I think you can probably count on Boyd just because I think this offense is going to throw the ball so much the defense has not gotten better Burrow had 404 attempts in, in just 10 games last season so I think he easily hits that 600 mark so uh, you know there's I think there's a chance that all three of these guys could could be near that 100 target range I do think he's the last in the pecking order and in terms of upside he's probably the the most volume dependent to, to give you any production on a week-to-week basis and you know he'll have those boom weeks I'm sure but most of the time it's going to be uh, those 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 lower value weeks, you know, the the five for seventies, which are fine as your wide receiver three, and that's probably all we're counting on him in. But I don't really see too much of a of a ceiling there when you look at the other two receivers around, and and you know, I think you could throw Joe Mixon into that as well. Uh, so I, he's he's somebody that if I have, I'm happy throwing in there. Uh, but you know, I think he, for me, he's probably a little bit lower than the, like Jarvis Landry range, probably in that same range, but Landry, I think, uh, has shown a little bit more for me than, than Boyd has. So he's the, that's, that's, that's the kind of range you're talking about. Somebody's going to be a reliable wide receiver three, probably give you in the eight to 12, maybe 15 point range, uh, in most weeks, but those boom weeks, I just don't think are going to be there nearly as much. Brian, I, I feel good about Tyler Boyd, Boyd being my wide receiver three or my flex guy. Are you as confident in his upside this season, especially considering Joe Burrow and the the offense and the injury and all those things? Is is Boyd a guy that you're you're confident in going forward? He is for sure uh, in that range that you guys are are talking about, low end wide receiver two or a wide receiver three. I think that's um, not only possible; I think it's pretty likely. And, and I think really the long term value and the long-term upside of Jamar Chase, we're kind of holding that against Tyler Boyd. 
Uh, I, I mean, I, I love Jamar Chase, you know, as much as anyone, and he's being valued already as a, as a top 10 dynasty wide receiver. I don't think he's going to perform that way this year. So I think the, the more realistic uh, outcome is that all three of those guys are, so, are, are in that range between wide receiver 18 and wide receiver 30, um, kind, of, kind of grouped together. So, of course, obviously, I want Jamar Chase long-term. I want T. Higgins long-term. But I think we should take advantage of the discount on Tyler Boyd. Yeah, and it's a big discount with Boyd. And I'm thinking that, and we have been, all three of us have been in auctions recently. It feels like Boyd just keeps getting pushed down the pecking order when it comes to wide receivers that we want to add to our rosters. And, and it's really not fair. He's been, he's been semi, at least semi-consistent. He's been really good and really overlooked by the dynasty community and the fantasy community in general. Let's go across the state to Cleveland and talk about another wide receiver in that state. It's Odell Beckham Jr. You know, all the high-flying acrobatic catches, all the highlight reel plays, the big the big trade that sent him to Cleveland. I think I think fantasy owners are forgetting all that upside a little bit at this point. So the big question when it comes to the Browns. There, there could be a few, of course, the running back situation. Can Baker handle all these targets? All that kind of thing. But is Odell Beckham, Beckham Jr., Ryan, the same guy that we saw in New York, that we have seen in times in Cleveland? Can he bounce back and become that wide receiver one that we have, we have really priced him at over the last handful of seasons? Yeah, I definitely have my doubts. Um and what we've seen the past really year and a half specifically from him is why his value has, has plummeted so far. Uh, I mean, the issue there for a while, really last season uh, and at the end of the 2019 season was he was still being valued as that elite dynasty asset, but he wasn't producing that way. Um, he, he played, I think, seven games, six or seven games last year. He had one wide receiver, one game. Uh, the, the year before 2019, he played basically the full season and had two wide receiver one games. And the issue beyond that, only two wide receiver two games as well. So only four games as a top 24 score. Um, I don't know. If, I mean, he, he definitely never regains that elite dynasty value that he had. He never becomes a wide receiver one again. Um, I, I don't think he can even score that way. Uh, on on a weekly basis or or over the full season either. I think he's more in that wide receiver two uh, range as far as upside. Yeah, and I fear that, that like you said, as far as upside, that's the best case scenario, right? Because there's yeah. other mouths to feed. That's an offense that likes to run the ball. Matt, any thoughts on OBJ? Yeah, I see. It's it's really hard to see the upside based on what we've gotten the last two seasons. But I mean, I think it's it's clear on the field he can still play. If you go back to like the Dallas game last year and what he did to them, I think that was the wide receiver one game he had. Uh, I remember I think he had two touchdowns in that game, and he he was making defensive backs look silly. And you can say, yeah, it's Dallas and their defense and whatever. But I think he can still play. It's just not really 
I don't think what necessarily what that offense wants to do. They have two very good running backs. They have a very good defense. They have a good offensive line. They have a quarterback who sometimes makes questionable decisions. They have a much less risky receiver in Jarvis Landry, who they know is, is going to catch the ball if it's anywhere in his vicinity. Uh, you know, a couple of tight ends that are really like, you know, Austin Hooper is not necessarily anyone to, to write home about from a fantasy standpoint, but he's a reliable short option receiver. And when you have a quarterback like that and offense has run through two very good running backs, it's tough for anybody to really have those huge gigantic games uh unless they're in a you know in a negative game script right so uh it's it's tough to see it i think i would still be investing if i was a team that needed a receiver it's so hard to say that these days though right with so many plentiful uh the receiver position so plentiful and you can just pick and choose if you can't get one guy for a late first you go and pick up a different guy right there's just so many of them but i think he is in that range still for me you know if i'm if if i won the title uh, last year, and I'm, for some reason, the rookie draft is, still hasn't happened. I might pay the 112 for Odell Beckham, something like that. So I still have faith, but I think we're going to be counting on more wide receiver two type weeks uh, with 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 a few, you know, maybe four to five uh, big huge games like we remember from Beckham, as long as he's healthy. But uh, it's tough to see any like long term upside in terms of his value for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. The 112 comment there, Matt. Ryan, are you are you paying a late first if you're a contender to try to add Beckham and get yourself over the top to a championship? Uh, no, only because of the, uh, I mean the the options I'm looking at at that range. You know, maybe maybe that's Rashad Bateman. I'd rather I'd rather have him. Um, you know, maybe it's Jalen Waddle or just who else I could trade that pick for. I think I could get. Somebody I like better. Sure. It's an it's interesting uh, discussion to have, for sure. Let's jump over to Denver and talk about the uh, Denver Broncos quarterback position. Matt, what are your thoughts on this this duo of quarterbacks, I guess? can Not necessarily who's going to win that job, but can either of these guys support the three fantasy options between Jerry Judy uh, Cortland Sutton and Noah Fan. I I I have my doubts. I think to me it feels like if Locke is the guy, then we're going to want to see Cortland Sutton. And if we're if it's if it ends up being Bridgewater, it's going to be Jerry Judy. You know, Bridgewater is not going to want to be the quarterback to just kind of throw it up and let let uh, Cortland Sutton you know make a contested catch. That's not who he is. He's a precision quarterback, and 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 Jerry Judy is kind of a precision timing based wide receiver, right? He gets open with his routes, uh, is where he's supposed to be uh, when the ball gets there. That kind of kind of receiver. So whoever the quarterback is going to be, I think we're gonna ha- we're gonna see one option emerge. I think Noah Fant will probably be okay with both, and I I hesitate to say uh, you know who he would be better with. Uh, my my gut would say Locke if they're just gonna send Fant deep all day and take take advantage of his. His athleticism uh but you know if they decide to use him as a short area option then, then bridgewater could have some success with them so to me who i want for 2021 lar- is largely going to depend on who which quarterback wins the starting job and i don't think either of them can support uh you know three fantasy options maybe 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 one and a half to two but i don't think they can get there for three right i disagree a little bit i mean we saw teddy support three fantasy options last year. Robbie Anderson was right wide receiver 19 Curtis Samuels wide receiver 23 DJ Moore wide receiver 25. So uh, to me, it's more of, uh, of a question about the offense. I mean, we know what that Carolina offense looked like and it's very different than the Broncos. Um, Teddy also made uh, Robbie Anderson, a top 20 wide receiver throwing it deep. Uh, so he's, he's definitely not known for that, but 
he did it last year. Um, like I said, my questions are more about the Broncos offense in general, not the specific quarterbacks. I mean, the reality is we don't think either one of these guys are the long-term answer. Yeah, that's the that's the real truth when it comes to the Broncos. And, and I'm going to echo what you said there, Ryan. It has nothing to do with the quarterbacks and more to do with that coaching staff and the philosophy that they have in Denver. They would have win with a running game and a, a really strong defense, and that doesn't really bode well for either Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater supporting all three fantasy options. I think Matt was right, though. Uh, they're, they're, it's going to be one and a half to two. The problem is it, it might be a different guy every week when it comes to the Broncos and who you want in your fantasy lineup. It, it's yeah. it's ugly. It's not really what we want to invest in as fantasy managers. Let's jump over to perhaps the worst team in the league. That's the Houston Texans, and it's it, it might, they might be running away with that that title there, Ryan. It's uh, the Texans are in shambles. There's there's questions all over the place on and off the field. But if there's something in that in that Houston Texans locker room that you're thinking about when it comes to fantasy, what might it be? Well, we feel as as messy as that situation is right now. We feel pretty confident with Brandon Cooks as a as a fantasy asset as a fantasy receiver, but uh, what about behind him? Uh, can any of those other receivers really give us anything? I mean, we're, of course, they traded Randall Cobb uh, last week, so they're, they're left with Nico Collins, the, the rookie from Michigan. Um, they also made a trade for Anthony Miller, so he's, he's now kind of projected to be a, the wide receiver two or three. Those are really the guys we're looking at. Um, and, and that's pretty ugly. I, I like Nico Collins long-term in general. I think this is just a stay away. Matt, how about you? Yeah, same. I, I, I want to buy Brandon Cooks for a second anywhere I can, uh, but other than that, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty much out on anything in Houston. Yeah, there's so many questions. We could have picked anything, really. Is there a running back that we really want because of David Johnson's injury history and the the really list of veterans that they have in that backfield? What do we think about the quarterback situation? Is there is is there a, a price point where we're going to invest in a guy with off-the-field issues, or is there a price point where we want the guy that could be on the field in week one? It, there's so many questions in Houston. It was tar- hard to narrow it down. So let's just jump over to the Indianapolis Colts, Matt. Uh, there was an injury already in, in training camp. And man, I, I was really following Carson Wentz and all the news coming out of Indy because I'm a believer. I, I, I believe in his upside. I believe in what he did in that MVP caliber season that he had in Philadelphia just a couple years ago. But he gets on the field day one in training camp and all of a sudden there's an injury and it's a lower leg injury, a foot injury. It looks like it's going to keep him out multiple weeks into the NFL season. What does this mean for the receiving core there in Indianapolis? It's, it's bad, man. Five, five, the first of all, five, five to 12 weeks. Like what kind of range is, is that? Just, just tell me like 10 to 12 or something, because we're going to get to like four weeks and they're going to say, we don't know. You know, they, I just, it's, it's such a weird, 
uh, injury prognostication, like when he might be back. Uh, but, you know, they signed Brett Hundley, I think, today or yesterday. So we know that's not good as Packer fans. Dan, I think 2017, <laughs> we had to watch like 10 games of, of uh, Brett Hundley. That did not work out well. I think he's a career sub 60% passer. Uh, so, you know, maybe that lends towards, you know, I, I, I'm kind of all in a little bit on Paris Campbell this year. So maybe that lends to him being used in, in creative ways close to the yard, uh, close to the line of scrimmage. You know, maybe Naheem Hines is more involved. I don't know. But uh, it, it's looking worse, I think, for guys like Michael Pittman and T.Y. Hilton. And, and Pittman, I was very excited about, too. So uh, I don't know where the targets are going to go, but I would I would lean towards the tight ends and those short uh, area options like Campbell and the running backs. Yeah, I like what you have to say there, Matt. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I I mostly agree with that as well. I mean, I think we're already doing a lot of speculating with the Colts offense coming into training camp. Uh, I mean, Michael Pittman was was a guy a lot of people, uh, including some of us, were were believers in. But r- really, I mean, he didn't he didn't do much last year to show that. Paris Campbell got hurt. T. Y. Hilton got hurt. Uh, and, and Pittman had the chance to to step up. He didn't really do that. He had one game where he was the top 24 wide receiver. That was it. As I mentioned, Campbell was out of the lineup almost the entire season. We're, we're now projecting him to be a contributor. I, I don't know that that's, uh, you know, that's certainly not a, not a sure thing. Maybe not even a safe bet now. And, and T.Y. Hilton, uh, pop, popped in a couple games late in the season, but for most of the year, I thought looked uh, looked washed. So, I mean, we might be talking about uh, this team having a, a top five pick. Yeah, and that that's surprising, really. Everything that went into uh, bringing Carson Wentz over and, and the positives that came out of that Indianapolis offense last season, including that running game and Jonathan Taylor, the offensive line kind of gelling once again late in the season. We expected, or at least I did, fellas, for that offense to be on the rise rather than the fall. And, and now this news, one injury really just just totally derails those plans. I'm concerned just like you guys, and I'm just not sure... Uh, if if it's really worth investing or or at least counting on any of those targets in Indianapolis in the passing game. How about their division foes? It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, let's, let's talk about the team in general, Ryan, because th- there's a few questions we could we could kind of consider when it comes to the Jaguars the the dual headed running back that's there the the coaching st- the new coaching staff and how that college offense or that college mentality might translate over to the NFL but we decided that maybe the best thing to talk about was it in general in in that offense who's the guy that that we're counting on the guy that we can we can consistently put in our lineup and feel like we have fantasy production going into the 2021 NFL season you know it, it, it's a good question and in some ways it's it's a weird situation because i'm not i'm not sure there is one i'm excited sure. about this team obviously excited to see Trevor Lawrence and and Travis Etienne in the league um, I think Lawrence being there is is good news for obviously for Chark and and Laviska Chenault, but I still see both in the backfield and in in the in the wide receiver depth chart a lot of canceling out, a lot of sharing the workload. So that one reliable guy, I I think it's Trevor Lawrence, but as far as his playmakers, 
I don't know that we're going to get that in 2021. Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think week to week it's going to be tough. Uh, I mean, if I had to pick an overall like touch leader, I would. I, I mean, full disclosure, I, I am heavily invested in Lavisca Chanel and Travis Etienne, so I do think it's going to be one of those two. Uh, if we get an Urban Meyer that's going to you know use them creatively, uh, you know that remains to be seen. They kind of want. Travis Etienne to play this like hybrid slot role sometimes. So to me, that says he's going to get a lot of work in the receiving game. Uh, and then, but that kind of eats into what I think Chenault can do as well. So to me, the guy that he's going to profit for it, I think, but in terms of like total touches to me, it's Shark, it's Shark that's going to suffer a little bit, but he might be so efficient on his deep balls if he gets back that speed uh, and uh, kind of that, that contested touch mentality that he had when we saw him broke out, break out two years ago. And now he has a quarterback that can actually get him the ball down there on a regular basis so i think from a efficiency standpoint he might come back up but from a target standpoint he might suffer so i'm going with etn or or chenault but uh like ryan said it's kind of a toss-up at this point yeah and we got to see a little bit from that jacksonville offense before we really feel confident in what we're going to get week to week i'm excited just like ryan just like matt i'm excited about what the potential might might lie with that Jacksonville Jaguars offense and and how they're able to gel all that talent together because there certainly is a lot of talent on that roster. Before we move forward, we should talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. Those guys are the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world. Instead of spending your time building elaborate salary cap rosters, guys, uh, or competing against those professional players that you see on all those other daily fantasy sites, you can explore the unique, fun, easy-to-play games like More or Less or Knockout Kings. There's Eagle Eye, Gold Rush, and the Touchdown dance game over there at monkey knife fight check those games out and play any of the major sports you can play nfl nba nhl mlb as well as ufc nascar golf soccer and all kinds of college sports without competing against the sharks right now you can open a new monkey knife fight account make an initial deposit and get a full year of dlf premium for free that's right it's free that dlf premium membership that you already subscribe to gonna be free we're gonna add a year on top so if you use the promo dlf monkey knife fight is gonna match the deposit 100 percent doubling your initial funds and on top of it, you get that free men- membership over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Simply log in on to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, cl- click the image for Monkey Knife Fight, and follow the instructions to get started today. How about we talk about the AFC representative in the Super Bowl last season? It's the Kansas City Chiefs, Matt, and... When it comes to the Chiefs, we're we're pretty confident in the quarterback, right? The tight end's all set. Um, maybe some questions at running back, but but perhaps because they have such a great quarterback, the biggest question is who's going to be that second wide receiver, and does that second wide receiver really matter for fantasy? Matt, is there a guy that you're investing in among these wide receivers, and and does it really matter? 
I'm not really. Uh, you know, can we can we continue to carry the torch for Recall Hardman? I guess we can give him one more season. <laughs> you know, I just it's it's tough to just to think that he's really going to realize his full potential until Tyreek Hill is either gone or if he's off the hill field for some reason. Uh, so th- that's a tough place to go for me now. I, I think he probably still costs you a second round pick. I'm not sure that you could uh, you could spend that you know more a second round pick capital more wisely. Uh, Demarcus Robinson has kind of been the old mainstay there and. He certainly has his games, but you know I don't think you're going to be relying him on week to week. Byron Pringle is interesting, but he's older than we think. I think he's 28 years old and still hasn't done anything in the league. Uh, and remember Antonio Callaway? He's he's there. He's floating around that depth chart. New guy Cornell Powell could be a possession receiver, but I just don't know. I mean, this is a team that I think is really clearly searching for that third target and have been uh, for several several seasons behind Kelsey and, and Hill. Um, but I just don't think he's on the roster and not sure that it really matters for fantasy. I think I think Hilaire is maybe the one that that realizes some of that third target potential in that receiving game yeah i hear that i i, I nod my head to that matt and i just keep burning that candle for michael <laughs> hardman i feel like that downfield threat that 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 speed that andy Reid has has so well he's used that stuff he he knows how to get those guys the the, the football i think that hardman's that that guy he's just waiting for the right opportunity ryan can you talk me off the ledge I mean, I don't know. It, it, it should happen, right? I mean, it it should be Mecole Hardman. He's the guy that with the draft capital. He's the guy with the speed. He's got the game like Tyreek Hill. Uh, and, and the hype has started again now that camp is mm-hmm. underway. So, I mean, his ADP is rising. His value is growing. I don't know if it really should. Matt talked about, uh, you know, if, if Tyreek were out of, the, out of the lineup, maybe that's when we could use Hardman. It's a small sample size, but that hasn't even been yeah. the case. Sure. Uh, Mecole has played five games without Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's increased uh, three and a half fantasy points from his games with Tyreek uh, to without. So he's he's averaging 10 fantasy points instead of seven. Uh, his his receptions <laughs> are, are basically the same. Uh, and and he, he sees, you know, about 20, 25 more yards per game. So there's there's a jump, but not much. But, not much yeah, not game. enough to, to make us invest heavily and, and spend that second-round pick or whatever it would take to add Hardman or, and, and especially put him in our lineup, right? So, so are we going to pay that price and then wait for the right opportunity to put him in our lineup? It, it feels like a high price to pay. I just see that speed, and we saw it from time to time last year, right? He he yeah. caught those balls across the middle or made that big splash play down the sideline, and we saw, oh, yeah, that's why the Chiefs invested a second-round pick in Miko Hardman. But it might just be as insurance for Tyreek Hill because they need that field stretcher. But we also right. saw him drop a, a ton of those passes, too. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, too I, many. I mean, it just, like, that's the hard part about Hardman. The hard part about Hardman for me is that he's he's had the opportunity. I know Watkins was there last season, but I feel like it's going to be a similar opportunity this season as he had last season. Mm-hmm. He couldn't really do it uh, then. So unless you think he's just a year a year older and a year better, you know, more ingrained in the offense, however you want to phrase it, I, it's, it's tough to stomach the, the price, I think. No, right. there's well, something to be said about the third-year wide receiver yeah. and the guy who who's ingrained in the offense a little bit more and the veteran moving on. There's certainly more opportunity this year than there was last. We just you have to invest in him taking the step forward, Ryan. Right, but I mean, I'm just thinking even in that offense, as as explosive and and prolific as it is, 
once you take out a or, or once you assign them a, a top three wide receiver performance, a top top one or two tight end performance, there's not a That's lot a left to go around. So. Um, you know, we we can keep chasing that offense. I, I think that's a good idea, especially on a weekly basis. But paying up for for me, Cole, probably a little risky, right? Ugh, I'm still doing it. I'm probably going to pay the price uh, when setting my lineups here this year. Uh, how about their division rivals? It's the Las Vegas Raiders. So instead of talking about the third and maybe even fourth passing op- option in the Chiefs offense, let's talk about who's going to be the number one guy. Uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders, and I guess we should make it the number two guy because they have a tight end that's pretty well known as well. But if if we're considering this Raiders offense, Matt, and we're trying to figure out who's going to be that wide receiver one, will it be Henry Ruggs, who was the first wide receiver taken a year ago in the draft? How confident are we that we can identify this guy and put him in our lineups relatively quickly this season? You know, I, I, I want it to be rugs. And part of me thinks that, you know, we know, we all know how stubborn John Gruden is, is that, that he's going to make this pick work. He spent such a high, high draft pick on Henry Ruggs, So he's going to want to try to get him the ball more, but we didn't see him use creatively, creatively last season. And they brought in John Brown who, you know, say, say what you will about him, but it was successful uh, in Buffalo last season. And, and when he's been on the field and healthy he has been a productive uh, wide receiver. Uh, if he's on a team with a quarterback, that can get him the ball. Right. So he, to me, he's the one, if you really want to target this passing offense outside, side of Waller it would be John Brown just because of the price I, I mean do you even have to pay for a third for John Brown right now uh, he's pretty much been completely written off you know people like to throw out that the Raiders is the place where wide receivers go to die all that kind of stuff and maybe that's true but he's still a good player and he's he's the one that I would pay a third round pick if I had to I don't I don't hate investing like a late second you know, in in a, in a player like Henry Ruggs, just on the on the off chance that he does put it together, and they are able to start using him uh, in, in better ways than just having him run nine routes down the field, right? Um, but uh, if we want to consider just price, for me, it's it's John Brown. Ryan Nelson Aguilar had a nice season for the mm-hmm. Raiders last year. Somebody has to replace that production. It can't be the tight end. Waller already had a wide receiver one, or a, really a wide receiver one type yeah. season yeah. last year. So somebody else has to step up. Who's that guy for you? Uh, I, I like uh, I like Matt's call of John Brown. He's wide receiver eighty seven in our ADP, oh. and I mean I. The guy I would go with is is Brian Edwards. I, I'm still a believer in him. He's wide receiver 63, and Ruggs is wide receiver 49. So the good news is it's cheap enough to to place your bets on all three yeah. if you if you want that wide receiver one performance. Uh, but again, even a guy like Aguilar, I mean, if that's what you're getting, even with that solid season that he had last year, I mean, at best he was a flex guy. Yeah. Um, so if, if John Brown repeats that, that's what we're getting. Aguilar didn't really gain any dynasty value as a result of that. So um, it, if that's one of the young guys, they'll, they'll gain a little bit. They'll, they'll kind of get back to where they were uh, a year ago. But I, I just don't see, I don't see the value upside with any of these three. Yeah, there's not long-term value, but if if you're one of those guys that tries to identify the veteran that you can get for very, very cheap and plug into your starting lineup, there is a guy on this team. And whether that's a second-year player like Edwards 
or Ruggs, like you mentioned, or or if it's a, a guy like like Brown who's been around the around the league for quite a while, that's a that's production that that you want to capitalize on. And and you mentioned the prices there, Ryan. Those guys are so cheap. Give me all the all those guys at those prices. I'll take them all and figure it out later. We, we could build a wide receiver core around uh, Emmanuel Sanders and, and John Brown and, and feel pretty good each week, I'm sure, right? For our, for yeah, our, for our two third round. For our two third dynasty. round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not pay a thing in Dynasty and come up with some pretty decent production. I'm, I'm one of those guys that, that do that every single year. Let's jump over to the Los Angeles Chargers. Is Matt, Ryan, is there a running back other than Austin Eckler that you care about on that roster? Uh, not much. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Joshua Kelly's still there, started out uh, strongly in his rookie season and, and then faded fast. Of course, Justin Jackson, and they, add, um, they added the rookie, sorry, I'm blanking on his name, uh, Larry Roundtree this, yep. yeah, this year as well. So uh, a, a lot to go around. I, I do think the good news, I guess, for those depth pieces is they, the Chargers didn't use uh, Austin Eckler a ton in the red zone last year. So there's some uh, there's kind of that goal line role, that vulture role available for for one of these guys. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm taking a shot on Larry Roundtree. Uh, he he seems to be the cheapest. They're all pretty cheap. But ultimately, I'm I'm not sure on a weekly basis any of these guys matter. Yeah, I'm Matt. It it's such an unknown with with all these guys. So and like Ryan said, they're free. They're cheap. They're they're easy to add to your roster. Is there a guy you're jumping on here? It's yeah. I think it's Roundtree. I think there's clearly a role as the second running back uh, in that offense. We just don't know who it is. You know, just the way I feel about it, you know, who knows how it's going to work out. Uh, A year of experience in the system, I guess it's not even in the same system, right? A year of experience with the team and the quarterback and all that uh, may go into Joshua Kelly's favor, but I kind of feel like he had his opportunity. So I'm happy to take a shot at Roundtree in the late third round, I think, of rookie draft. He's like running back 70 uh, and and startup ADP uh, from July. So he's he's the guy just because he's the cheapest. I still like Justin Jackson, but he can never stay on the field, and he seems more like the Austin uh, Eckler kind of handcuff than somebody who's going to have a week-to-week role. How about the Miami Dolphins guys? We we'd love to talk about Tua, but we've talked enough about him. Probably we all believe that he's going to take a step forward. So let's talk about the running back there. It's Miles Gaskin. A lot of dynasty managers, Matt, are investing in him as a running back too, a guy that they can count on in their starting lineups every week. Are you willing to do that for this season? And going forward, are you confident long-term? I'm not confident long-term, and I would, I think, be okay investing in him. But I just think for, for, for my taste he's going a little bit too much. Uh, the price is a little bit too high. Uh, it seems like the, the price tag – is it, it does kind of bake in a little bit of future value to him, and that's not something I believe in. So I'm I'm kind of running away from from that situation. They could still, you know, they could still bring in one of these veterans that 
that just to have some depth because literally it's Gaskin and Savan Ahmed and you, you know like there's not really too much. Uh, I mean, they're going to bring Len Bowden back to play some running back. I just like, if Gaskin fails, there's not a whole lot there. Um, so you know they are you know do, using this like running backs don't matter strategy. I think and Gaskin is kind of the epitome of that. But he's in the same bucket for me as as Mike Davis and and I guess Daryl Henderson. We could throw him in there as guys that I think are going to have plenty of production this season. But uh, you know if you're investing more than a second round pick in them, I think you're probably paying too much. Yeah, I would agree with that. They did they did sign Malcolm Brown though, yeah. uh, and you know, I mean, he he's not a, a guy that dynasty managers seem to care much about, but he's he's kind of always that thorn in the side. Yep. I think he could definitely be that to Miles Gaskin this year. Uh, like you said, Savon Ahmed was uh, was solid when given a chance last year as well, uh, and then they brought in the the, the late round rookie Dokes also. So. Um, it kind of felt like they did nothing because they didn't use a day one or two pick on a guy or they didn't spend big free agency money on a guy, but they did make moves. And, and those moves, I, I think, could add up to hurting Gaskin in, in his, uh, I guess, quest to be an RB2 uh, this season. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm definitely not spending more than a second round rookie pick on him. That probably won't buy him right now. And, and that's fine. I just won't have him. Yeah, that's the problem. It won't buy him, and I think anybody selling Gaskin wants wants more than a second round pick at this point. And and most of us aren't going to spend that. At least the guys that in the leagues that I play in. Let's talk about the New England Patriots, Ryan. Um, Do we have to? You know, we we yeah we have to. <laughs> We've we could talk about the quarterbacks. I guess we could waste our time and talk about the running backs. But if they made any moves this offseason, it was at the tight end position. We already mentioned Nelson's, Nelson Aguilar's name in this podcast. We, we don't need to do that. There's Jacoby Myers. There's Kendrick Bourne. There's, there's a handful of other wide receivers there in New England. But this, you know, when it comes to pass catchers in this offense that dynasty managers are going to invest in, it's these tight ends, these new names. It's Hunter Henry. It's Johnny Smith. Is it reasonable to expect one of these guys to be the biggest target vulture on the roster? And if it is, who is that guy for you? I mean, I think it has to be. This is this. That's a good question. It's it's kind of making me want to research how many times the tight end is, has led a team in targets. I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to have to check that out after the show. But I mean, you look at those names and. Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith certainly feel like the most talented players of of that group. So based on that alone, I, I, I have to say it's reasonable. And, and I feel like, I mean, Cam Newton's the quarterback for now. That's what we've already heard as, as training camp has started. And uh, I think he's likely, more likely to use those tight ends in, in that short game um, than trying to air it out to any of the receivers. Matt? Yeah, and it's... I mean, who knows which one is gonna gonna? I, I do think one of them will lead lead the team in targets. If it's not one of them, I think it's probably Jacoby Myers. Uh, but mm-hmm. for the tight ends, you know, I, I lean towards Jonu Smith just because he profiles more as that athletic receiver, and you know, I think he can block. But we know that Hunter Henry is a uh, an accomplished blocker and 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 can play that inline role. You know, maybe it's both of them. Maybe them are maybe they're both. Uh, you know going out for for passes on every play i kind of i kind of doubt that i kind of think it's Janu. uh but 
you know, Hunter Henry was fine as a receiver too. I really don't have a great answer. <laughs> I guess that's where I'm going. If I had to pick one to buy, it would be Jonu Smith, uh, though, just because I think he can be – he has kind of a higher, higher ceiling, I think. And, again, they whether it's because of the landing spot, whether it's because they, they both are now on the same team and maybe a, a cancel-out situation, both of their values have, have oh, yeah. dropped significantly. Before free agency, they were both being drafted as tight end ones, and now they're both well outside that range. That, that move right there, taking an extra tight end off the market, was really like the nail – in the coffin of t- two tight end leaks for me. Like that was like, Oh really? We're going to take another, <laughs> another one off of a bad, of a bad position. Like this is, this is too much. Yeah. The, the worst part about this whole thing is that there's, there's so many factors to consider, you know, the Patriots have a history of having multiple tight ends and there are people that are glued to that. And then, you know, they were, they were missing those pass catchers last year. There are people that, that dynasty managers that believe in that. And then there's those of us that, that see the multiple quarterbacks and the potential for Mac Jones to take over and what that does to these, these pass catchers and their values there. There's way too many factors to try to try to point out exactly who's going to be the most valuable. I'm not going to try to guess. So let's jump over to the jets. Cause that's easy to, to try to uh, figure out. <laughs> Uh, when it comes to the Jets' offense, Matt, is there a running back that you want in that backfield? No, I mean, I, I guess it's Michael, it's Michael Carter, but I just think for a fourth round rookie, where you know, I mean, he's interesting, but he's kind of expensive. Though, he is. Right? He's too expensive. It's not like to you me. get him for nothing. Like he's, I think he's what is he? I think he's like like the one twelve, two hundred one, something like that, in one quarterback leagues. Like I, I, right. I would rather spend, you know, Michael Carter, Odell Beckham Jr. I think most people are going to say Michael Carter, but I'll take Odell though there. So, okay. uh, you know, Tevin Coleman is like running back sixty. He's, you know, whatever he is going to do for that price. If you want to take a stab at that backfield, that's probably the direction I would go. Uh, especially if you want a one year plug, and it's going to cost you a lot less to do something like that than it is to go pay for Miles Gaskin or Mike Davis. Um, but you know, how much confidence can we really have? In, in Tevin Coleman at this point, uh, so I, I think the answer for me is is no. I don't want I don't want any of them. Ryan, how about you? Yeah, I mostly agree. Um, I mean, I think I think Michael Carter is. I think he'll be the one to see the most work uh, based on on talent and based on what we're already hearing uh, early in camp as well. Um, but I've, I've got a problem with the price tag as well. I think when you're factoring cost in, Ty Johnson is a guy I would take a shot on. Ended the season with um, three pretty strong games in, in the final uh, month of the year, including uh, he had one RB1 game, had one RB2 game, scored over um, over 17 points twice in that span. So, uh, you know, not not that I have high expectations of him necessarily, but... Um, he's, he's another player very cheap to acquire right now, whether you're in drafts or if you're talking trade, um, Carter, Carter's the guy that I think leads the backfield, but I'm, I'm not good with the price right now. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm not willing to pay the price for Carter either. And I, I'd probably jump on the Tevin Coleman express and let that last the couple weeks that it lasts. Cause I think he'll, he'll impress and you know, people probably forget he was, he was dragged along 
from San Francisco with this coaching staff mm-hmm. uh, back to New York, a guy that knows the offense, knows what they're trying to do. I think there's some value right there. How about with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ryan? There are three wide receivers, and if you talk to any dynasty manager, if you talk to three dynasty managers, they're all going to give you a, a different answer on which one they want. Can can Ben Roethlisberger support all three of these guys and then in 2021, and then in turn – who has the most long-term value? You know, I mean, I, I feel like the answer is no, because I'm so worried about uh, what, you know, just how much Ben has left. But then you look at... You can you say look, it. When, when's Ben's arm going to fall <laughs> off, right? <laughs> That's really, really what it feels like. But then you look at last year, which in a lot of ways for the Steelers and, and for Ben specifically, felt like a disaster those wide receivers were wide receiver 16, 21, and 22. So I think he can probably run it back, and, and he will throw it until his arm falls off. Yeah, I think I think all three can be wide receiver two range, you know, with, with wide receiver one mm-hmm. spike weeks. So to me, the way I break it down is I feel like uh, probably uh, Deontay Johnson is the safest guy. Uh, Claypool has the highest ceiling. And Juju, I think, has probably the safest floor of any of them, both in terms of his production week to week out of the slot and, you know, like where he might go in, 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 in 2022. You know, he signed that one-year deal this year to come back, which was kind of a surprise, to I think, to most of us. But if he builds up that resume some more, then uh, he, he could have the, the most long-term value if for some reason Claypool uh, doesn't hit big like we think he is. So I, I like all three of them, and I think all th- all three of them are going to be fine. But I don't think any of them are going to be you know fantasy wide receiver ones. You know, if we're looking at a season long uh, kind of standpoint. In 2022, this is going to be a fun conversation because yeah. like we like we had last year, we all expected Juju to move on. We thought this was going to be a lot clearer picture. Now we got Ben still there. We got Juju still there. It's kind of cloudy picture right now. So we'll see what happens there. The last team we need to talk about here, guys, is the Tennessee Titans. And we we all, at least to some extent, we like Tan- Tannehill, right? He's he's a fringe quarterback one. We we love Derrick Henry for 2021. He's He's being drafted real high in redraft leagues and then there's two pass catchers that we love it's julio it's aj brown they they're when they're on the field they're gonna they're gonna make plays is there anybody else in this offense that we care about either short or long term i still like ferks are a little bit um obviously johnny gone that gives him an opportunity we don't really like any of the wide receiver threes and we're not going to see much uh many targets going to the backfield so i think ferkser has um, has a little bit of of a safe floor, but as far as the wide receivers, no, not really. Yeah, Ferkser kind of mixes in as one of those guys that's going to have those. He's going to he's going to jump into those tweets that you do every week, Ryan. That oh, here are your tight end ones yeah. for week number three, and Ferkser's tight end eight because he caught a touchdown. Exactly, right? that's all it takes sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit of value outside of those main targets and those main playmakers there in Tennessee, but it's going to be hard to hard to figure out which ones we want and on what weeks. That's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. That's Giannis. Over there is Chris Middleton. I'm Drew Holiday. We'll talk to you again again next week.